Welcome to Thousand Hills Ranch Church. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it speaks to your heart. So we're excited about today. Uh, we are going to wrap up a series called Riding Double. Riding Double. Anybody enjoyed this series? Please uh, amuse me. Amuse me. Here's the thing. You say, why do you teach on this every year? Why do you teach on this all the time? Here's why. People want to hear it. People want to hear it. You guys don't know statistics on our website, but in the last 30 days, we've had over 1,400 people visit our website. We've had hundreds of people listening to our messages online. Yeah. So you say, why do you do this? Well, again, they're looking for information. They're looking for ways to do relationships right. And here's what I believe. We have the answers. The answers are found in the word of God. I mean, God is the creator of marriage. He's the creator of sex. He's the creator of dating and courtship and all those things. So why do we not speak toward those things? Here's what I've learned, and I've said this before. What we avoid, the devil invades. And so here's the the promise from Thousand Hills Ranch Church. We will not avoid the things that the Bible talks about. We're not going to do it. I'm getting fired up already. I need to take my jacket off. But I'm just saying, we're, we're learning these things because people need to learn them. My kids need to learn them. Your kids need to learn them. You as adults need to learn them. I need to learn them. We all need to learn these things. And so here's what we've learned so far. To ride successfully riding double, the first thing that we learned was we can no longer do things the way that the world says that they're supposed to be done. We have to do things the way that God says they have to be done. If you want to be blessed... If you want to do things right, if you, you're still going to have trials, you're still going to hate each other. I, I don't ever hate my wife, but um, you're still going to, maybe I, maybe, no, I'm just kidding. What See, I've already screwed up. <laughs> I'm digging the grave. I'm getting, I'm really getting hot now. Let me take that for you. Yeah, thank you, sweetie. I love you. Mm-hmm. Give me my hand back. I'm going to get it later. But anyway, so here's the thing. You, you can't do things the world's way. you got to do it God's way. If you want to have a marriage that's full of joy, not always happiness, but full of joy, you need to learn how to do things God's way. And so you have to stop conforming to the ways of the world and be transformed by God's word so that he can show you his perfect will for dating, for sex, and for marriage. That's the first thing that we learned. The second thing that we learned is this. We learned that it's God's goodness. I want you to hear this. It's God's goodness that motivates him to set boundaries and standards for your dating relationship, for sex, and for marriage. It's his goodness. I mean, so many people think God's just this cosmic killjoy. I mean, he doesn't want me to have fun. No, listen. He created sex so that you could have fun. Amen. Come on. I mean, I figured, let me say that again so all the men can say amen. He created sex so that we could have fun. (laughs) <laughs> now we're feeling a little desperate. No, I'm just kidding. We might need to extend this one more week. Yeah, extend this one more week. But I'm just telling you, out of his goodness, he says, I'm going to give you this gift, but here's how I want you to do that gift so that you can experience it to the fullest. Not so that you can be, you know, here's the rules, here's the boundaries, and I'm a little, you know, jerk. I'm the general. You listen to me. No, listen. He says, I'm good. I know what's best. I created it. Therefore, I want you to do it the way that I've asked you to do it so that you can experience all of my blessings is what he says. And so that's the second thing we learned. And we learned that 
through an amazing interview with Chance and Shanna Means. And I want you to, if you didn't listen to that, if you weren't here that Sunday, go back online, thousandhillsranch.church, and listen to their interview. You will learn a lot. You will learn so much. But the third thing is this, and we learned this last week, how writing single successfully will set you up for writing double successfully. Because here's the truth. The priority when you're single is the same priority when you're married. Guess what it is? Jesus. He should be the priority of your life no matter if you're single or whether you're married. And so out of that, we've learned that to be successful as a single person, it's the same thing. Love Jesus. Serve Jesus. You know, give him all your life. Give it, and he'll take care of all the rest. Same way when you get married. She does not fulfill every need that I have. The deepest needs that I have are only fulfilled through Christ. Um, and so that's the third thing that we learned. All right, today we want to wrap this series up, okay? We're going to wrap it up by sharing with you uh, from our experience as a happily married couple for 13 years. Seems like yesterday. See, I'm, I'm trying to brown nose a little bit because she's stabbing me in my rib. Ah! Just kidding. But we're going to share with you some of the experiences that we've had. Some of them are out of our weaknesses, mainly mine. <laughs> and, and some of them are out of our strengths and our successes. Mainly but, mine. <laughs> come on. I can't get a response out of them for nothing. And then you say that. As we were um, preparing for this, I, I began to look at some other books. You know, I was like, I looked at this pastor's book, and I looked at this pastor's book. And this is my prayer. Lord, give me more wisdom than they have about marriage. Give me more wisdom than they have about marriage. And here was, I, I didn't hear it audibly, but here's what God said to me. I already have. I already have. Just share with the people what I've already taught you. Because I've taught you a lot. And so that's what we desire to do today. And so 10, and I said 10, 10 principles we're learning from writing double. And you say, you can't get through three principles in 30 minutes. How are you going to do 10? <laughs> My wife runs marathons. It's going to be a marathon today. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're going to try to get through this really quick. So take notes quickly. Number one is this. You say, what are the principles that you've learned in writing double in your marriage? Number one is this. Change equals conflict which equals growth. <laughs> I like that. Anybody else like that? Change equals conflict, which equals growth. Look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when what? Troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Troubles. An opportunity for great joy. Yeah, that sounds right. No, it doesn't. But, but listen to the rest of it. It says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to what? Grow. grow. So let it grow. grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Here's the truth about marriage. And I've heard it said this way. Marriage brings out the worst in you and it brings out the best in you. Anybody know that to be true? Raise your hand. It's okay. It's okay. Yes, yes. Thank you. It brings out the worst in you and it brings out the best in you. And so here's the thing. So many people are like, I'm going to have happily ever after and we're going to frolic in the meadow together. And I'm like, no, that doesn't happen. I mean, there's cow patties everywhere in marriage. 
You know what I'm saying? So you might frolic for a little while, but you're going to step in a patty and you're going to, it stinks. So <laughs> I just came up with that on the, off the cuff. That was good right there. Thank you. And so here's the thing. You, you think it's going to be easy. You think life's going to, you know, we're not going to have to change. I'm ready for marriage. I've got it all together. That is wrong. It, marriage brings turmoil into your marriage. Early in our, our dating relationship, we had turmoil. I mean, I, I was the guy that thought I had it all figured out. Imagine that. And, but I didn't. And so in dating, when we were dating, I would take her through this roller coaster ride. Oh, we're going to date. No, we're not. We're going to date. No, we're not. I like you. No, I don't. You're my forever. No, you're not. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so it's like I went through this. We went through this roller coaster and I've had to apologize because it was turmoil on her end and it was turmoil on my end, too. But but at the end of the day, again, those things are normal sometimes. You may not know all the answers in dating. It's okay. It is normal sometimes um, in, in our honeymoon. I mean, we struggle even on our honeymoon. You say, well, how the heck do you struggle on your honeymoon? Well, we had unrealistic expectations um, about our, you know, our life, our, our way we would spend money on the honeymoon. I mean, I'm like a spender. We're going to buy everything. I'm going to buy it all. And she's like, no, we're not. And I'm like, okay, conflict, conflict. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And so we had all these things that, 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 that come along with marriage. I, here's what else I've learned. You know, our, our first year of marriage, was, it, it was hard. It was hard because I had to learn to allow someone to live in what used to be my space. Anybody with me? Yeah, yeah. Twenty-eight. I got married when I was 28. And so I had my house. I had my truck. I had my dogs. I had, I had it all. I had it. It was all mine. And then someone came into my life that blessed me, was the best, the best thing that ever happened to me. And I had to learn to share. And, and it was like, what? I have to share? And so change equaled conflict, which eventually has equaled into growth. And you say, well, how has God changed you? Well, I had to stop being selfish. Some of you guys need to hear this because some of you guys are selfish. You, you, instead of saying, you know, it, it's, it's my way or the highway. No, it's not. It's not my way. It's not about me. Or, you know, that's my money, not, not your money. No, it's not. It's our money. Amen. I mean, that's why these are the conflicts that we had. You know, one of them was, you know, I felt like I should be able to do whatever I want. I don't have to check in. Was that stupid or what? I'm just telling you, she would say, why didn't you call when you were headed home? And I'm like, because I've never called anybody when I was headed home. And so I've learned that calling her when I head home gives her security and it helps me in the long run because she knows when to have supper ready. Amen. Amen. And so I'm just telling you, you say, well, you had to change all that. Did that cause conflict? Yes. Here's another thing that I learned that when we got, you know, married, Uh, Heather is not my mom. (laughs) All the single ladies. No, I'm just kidding. All the married ladies are clapping on that one. I mean, here, my mom, and I've talked about my mom, and, and she's an amazing woman, and, and she's like 4'11". If you've not seen her, her name's Cricket, like the bug, okay? Not Chigger, Cricket. <laughs> and so, anyways, we grew up in a wrestling family, and my mom was sitting over here, and some of you guys saw her the other day. She came, but if she was sitting over here, she has Alzheimer's, by the way, so she may not remember you ever, but she, she remembers that she can take me to the ground. 
And so I'm telling you, if my mom was here today and she was, I give her the mic or I asked her to come up here, she'd put me in a headlock. I guarantee it. And she would try to take me to the ground. She would probably do it to you because she just likes rough and tumble. Here's what I learned. My wife is not so rough and tumble. And so I had to learn to be sensitive. My wife doesn't like being put in a headlock. Guess what? It caused that change, caused conflict, which hopefully has caused growth. I don't, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I just had to stop. And so uh, I'm just telling you, I had to change the way that I talked. When we got married, I, I, you know, I grew up with two older brothers. And so it was like, you know, we didn't say, hey, uh, hey, Branch, that's my brother's name. My mom was smoking weed. And so <laughs> I don't know what she came... I don't know how she came up with that name, but anyways, so we never, at, at the kitchen table, I never said, hey, Branch, would you please pass the salt? No, it was like, give me the salt, idiot. And so when I got married, guess what? I had to change. I mean, I, instead of saying, hey, salt, now, I, I had to say, babe, would you please pass the salt? Thank you so much. And so I had to stop being demanding and start asking. It's change equaled conflict, which equals growth. Really, it really wasn't even a, a change of the tone. It was more just saying anything because this is what he would do. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you want the salt? <laughs> it was. <laughs> Shouldn't they know, guys? No, I'm just kidding. So change brought conflict. But here's what I've learned about conflict. If we will embrace it. It will help us grow. And it has helped us grow in our, in our marriage. Here's the key. I want to give you a few, a few keys in this one. We must be willing to change. Some people say, well, if you've got to change, then it ain't love. No, it's the opposite. You will change if it is love. Because it's worth it. It's worth it. The other thing is this. God is the only one who can change your spouse. Amen? So many people go, I'll just keep trying. I'll just keep trying. I'll just keep trying. What I say is tell them a few times. Tell them so they understand what you desire and then get on your knees and pray. And eventually God's going to change them. You can't. You can nag. You can whine. You can do all those things. But those things are not going to change the person. God is the only one who can change them. Amen. That's a good thing. And so, so we continue to learn this, that if we will embrace the strain, growth will come and our marriage will be better. And so here's what I want to say. Take a deep breath and lean into each other rather than away from each other. Because that struggle is good. Change equals conflict, which equals growth. Number two is this. Number two, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Some of you guys need to hear this because, because the devil's got you in this, this, this hold. He's got a, a foothold on you. And look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says this, For we are not fighting against what? Flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and the authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Here's what I want you to hear. The devil hates good marriages he hates them and because of that he is going to try to steal kill and destroy what we got and so here's what i've learned and here's what we've learned that the, the truth is when we fight the majority of the time it's the devil that's causing us to fight 
I've learned that she is not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. And so when you get into a situation and you're fighting and you know something's come between you and you've said something wrong or, you know, you, you've done something wrong, you have, to, you have to realize that it's the devil attacking you. And so here's the plan. You ready? Here's the plan. You say, well, how do I overcome that? You have to recognize your real enemy. Heather's not my enemy. I'm not her enemy. The devil's the enemy. And if, if we will recognize that, we will reconcile a whole lot quicker. You say, so how do I do that? Well, you recognize the enemy and then you expose the enemy. Okay. So when we're in a fight, guess what? Because the Lord lives inside of me, because the Lord lives inside of her at some point, And the quicker you do this, the better. At some point, you need to look each other in the eye and say, you're not my enemy. The devil's trying to kick us in the teeth. He knows that we have a good marriage. He knows that if he can destroy this, then he can destroy our kids. He knows that if he can destroy this, then he can destroy other couples. And he knows that we, if he can destroy this, then he's going to destroy the church. And so he wants to kill us. And so here's what we do. You say, what's the plan? Recognize the enemy. Expose the enemy. We will look at each other and verbally say, you're not the enemy. The devil's the enemy. And here's what we do. You say, we fight. We fight the enemy. You say, well, how do you fight the enemy? We get on our knees together and we acknowledge that the devil's trying to attack us. And we say, Lord, we need your help. Here's what I know. The devil is a spiritual being. And if you try to fight him with just being a good guy and buying her a dress to make up, you know, for what you said and all those things, again, buy the dress, please. It's better. I mean, it helps. But at the end of the day, guess what? You have to fight a spiritual being with spiritual weapons. And guess what happens? The devil trembles when we get on our knees. He does. I mean, you can do all that you want to do, but at the end of the day, the devil is not intimidated by any money that you pour out, flowers. He's not intimidated by any of that. He's intimidated when you get on your knees and you start asking God to help you because here's the truth. The devil may be a lion trying to steal, kill, and destroy, but he's on a leash. And guess who has a handle on the leash? It's God. Amen? That's good stuff. And so recognize the enemy and then expose the enemy and then fight the enemy with, on your knees and with God's word. Because spiritual battles have to be fought with spiritual weapons. That, that's, that's great. We could that's stop good. I know. That. I could stop right there. Um, that's good. Number three, communication is key. Amen. <laughs> communication is key. Communication is key. Proverbs 25:11 says, "A word spoken at the right time is like gold apples on a silver tray." How many of you have ever been in a fight and when your spouse says something nice it kind of just like I mean, you want to stay mad, but you just can't because it was nice. It just kind of deflates that anger. And um, one of the first verses I memorized was Proverbs 15, I think it's 15:11. It might be 15.1. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So communication is key in marriage, is proper communication. Um, Bo and I, we, you know, he's always, he's a communicator. Obviously, he does this every week. He loves to communicate. He loves to talk about things. And I've had to learn how to over-communicate. Um, mm. We, you know, have to talk about, like, how we're going to get things done, how we're going to pay for this or that, what our week looks like, how we're going to raise our kids, how to make decisions, how to spend money. I mean, these are all things that we try to communicate about. But one of the most important facts about communication is that face and tone matter. 
Like you can say something uh, with a, you know, scowl face and a mean tone, and then you can say it smiling and sweetly, and it's the same, you said the same thing, but you said it two totally different ways. And, and it, so remember that it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Amen. Can you, can you get a, you got a clap for that? <clears throat> this is something <laughs> I've had to learn because I can joke with my wife and my face says something totally different. And I have to, and, and here's, guys, listen to this. If you're, or girls, you need to listen to this too. It may feel fake to smile when you're joking. Or it may feel fake to smile when you're trying to say something playfully at first. And your wife may look at you like you're an idiot because you're smiling. <laughs> I didn't really like that dinner, sweetie. <laughs> it just wasn't my favorite. And I feel like a little sissy. Saying it with sweet words. But at the end of the day, if you will begin to practice that, guess what? It'll become more natural and she'll be able to accept it as sincere rather than just something that you're trying to do because someone told you. Absolutely. And Amen. That's good. <laughs> the best way to learn how to communicate is to ask your spouse how he or she wants you to communicate. Amen. It doesn't matter how I feel like I should communicate to Bo. It matters how what Bo needs, how he needs me to communicate. So we have to kind of get over ourselves in a sense and do what they need, not necessarily what we want or what we think is best. Um, an example of this might be that I am, I am like the least confrontational person ever. I hate conflict. I avoid it at all costs. If I, you know, if I knew that I could do something and totally go out of my way for someone and it would avoid a conflict, like that's what I'm going to do because that's just my personality. I hate conflict. Uh, my tendency, you know, if we have an issue or if he even does something that irritates me is just to sweep it under the rug, not to even bring it up. I don't want to talk about it. I'm just going to get over it. But what I've learned <laughs> is that that issue rears its ugly head again. Right. It's the claw. Yeah. Her name's Heather, <laughs> but sometimes... She gets the sweet name Helga. <laughs> yeah, it's like, see, I said that with a sweetheart, you know, with a sweet voice, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but what happens is so if you don't communicate those things, then that bitterness can, yes. can invade and, and it comes out. And what always happens is that issue comes back again, right? And it might be something small, but it eventually turns into something big. And if you would have just hit it head on when it first reared its ugly head, things would be a lot better. But, um, so I've learned that, you know, my tendency to sweep things under the rug don't accomplish anything. And it also, and I didn't realize this at all until Bo kind of helped communicate this to me, is that whether I meant for it to or not, my uh, sweeping issues underneath the rug, even especially if it was something that kind of irritated him, it made him feel like I didn't care. Like, I just don't care if that hurts his feelings. I don't care if that made him mad. I don't care about, you know, what, what uh, affected him. So we've had to learn how to communicate better with each other. You know, he's told me what he needs out of communication and I've told him you know sometimes when you look at me I feel like you are super mad and I need you to soften your face a little bit or yeah, yeah. whatever so just uh, you know voicing those things and I'm going to tell you guys you know one of the most important I would say things that we've done is we've we've seeked out counseling I mean we have gone yep. to a counselor for our marriage and yep. I would say it's probably the best um, thing that we've ever done you know we'll hire a coach to help our kids in sports, we'll hire, you know, a pitching coach to teach our daughter how to pitch at softball. 
because that person is uh, experienced, experienced yeah. in that. They're wise. They've got training or whatever. But when we think about that for our marriage, we think, oh, that's a sign of weakness or that's a sign of, you know, showing that we have troubles. Well, no, it's a sign of wisdom. It's not a sign of weakness. It's Amen. a sign of wisdom. Yep. Good stuff. Yeah. And I would say, and for us, when we, you know, when we decided to go to counseling, it wasn't, we didn't even really have any issues. It wasn't like, man, our marriage is really struggling. We really need to seek out counseling. And if that's where you're at, definitely seek out counseling. But we were doing it to be more proactive. You know, we realized that these small issues or the way that we don't communicate certain things can turn into something really huge later on. And so, again, seeking out help, seeking out counseling, it's a, it's not a sign of weakness, but a sign of wisdom. Um, another thing about communication, and this is huge, is to complain, not criticize. Some of you guys are like, okay, what's the difference? But we complain, we don't criticize. The difference is complaints are aimed at a specific behavior. It's what he does or did that I didn't like. It's not him. It's not his character. It's not who he is. It's just a certain behavior that irritates me. And we have to have the freedom to complain, right? I Amen. Mean, if his smacking at supper drives you nuts and you're like just about to bite your tongue off because you, I mean, you've got to be able to complain and, and voice those things. Um, a criticism is when it attacks their character. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So um, if I wanted to criticize because he doesn't ever take out the trash or whatever, I could say, I wish you would take out the trash. You never do anything around here. That's a criticism. Okay. A complaint would be, I could really use your help today. Can you please take out the trash for me? See the difference? You're asking them to take out the trash, but one is attacking their character, saying that they're lazy and they never do anything. And we try to avoid in in communication the words never, always, you never do this, you never do that. Well, I'm pretty sure they probably have (laughs) at least once or twice, right? Or you always do this. So avoid some of those words. Um, Another criticism is... You know, you're a slob and you never do anything right. Whereas the complaint would be, I know you're busy, but would you mind picking up your clothes? It would really help me around the house. Okay, so again, the way that we communicate is key. So that was number three. Number four is share versus support. Share versus support. And we're going to kind of explain this uh, to you, but Galatians 6.2 says what? Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. It doesn't, you know, it says to carry the burdens, not to just encourage them while they carry their burdens. It says to carry the burdens with them. So sharing your spouse's burdens, their dreams, their business, their you know their goals in life, all of that adds value to your marriage. Um, and the difference is when you support something, you're more of like a cheerleader. Like they're out there doing it, and you're just kind of like, woohoo, go, you're awesome. And that's, that's okay. And that's okay too. That and they need that. They need that encouragement. But to share is when you actually join their team. You're you know thinking through how can we make this business great? How, what can I do to help you be successful? Um, and just really sharing that. An example for us is. Our, our ministry for, you know, for a long time, I would support Bo. I'm like, man, he's awesome. He's such a great, you know, pastor. You do a great job. But now I try to share the ministry with him and try to help, you know, carry the burden and lighten his little, a little bit for me. And what this looks like is, you know, some of my dreams evolve around running, just a hobby that I have that I enjoy. But Bo shares that, that dream with me. And again, this all goes back to communication saying, hey, you know, what does it look like for me to share in your business? Like how, how would that, you know, what's that look like for 
for you. And because for Bo, he, you know, he thinks, oh, if I just go out and run with her, then that's sharing, you know, her dream. Well, I appreciate that. And I love it when he comes out there, but I'm like, babe, if you don't like to run, like it really, like, I think it's neat that you want to come out there with me, but that's really not my, what really helps me is that when you, you know, ask me about my training, like, what do you, what do you think you could change to make, you know, to get better or, you know, Hey, when's your next race? How, you know, how can we, um, pick out a race that, that's going to be really great for you to run. And let's, let's go do that because he knows that I tend to, you know, not like to spend a lot of money. And obviously, you know, when you, you know, race, you have to pay an entry fee. You, if it's far away, you have to get a hotel room. You have to eat out. You have to do all these things. And so it's hard for me to want to, you know, spend our money to do that. But when he encourages me, that's how he shares in my dreams and my goals. So again, um, just communicating about like, hey, what do you need out of that? And also a side note on this is, I believe that sharing in our spouse's dreams and goals and all those things looks different for every stage of life. Like when, when we had, when our kids were a lot younger and they, you know, kind of would need to be on a schedule and have a nap in the afternoon and, you know, we're in diapers and all those things, I didn't have as much time to share the ministry with him. And so it can kind of change with different seasons of your marriage. So if you're, you know, here today and you have, you know, newborns or whatever, and you're like, well, how can we share this? Well, husbands, you can change diapers. You can, <laughs> you can, you know, maybe watch that, that baby for Amen, a couple guys. hours while she takes Amen. a nap. Exactly. Or hire so. somebody. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. If there's a woman within 12 feet of you, ask her. I'm just kidding. But that was the a point joke. is that sharing is always more meaningful than just supporting. That's right. Number five is this. You ready? Write this down. This is really, really good. The greatest marriages are two servants serving each other. <laughs> the greatest marriages are two servants serving each other. Look at Philippians 2, uh, verses 3 and 4. It says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, men. <laughs> be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So men, I'm just going to speak to the men real quick. Don't be selfish. You, you trying to be all chauvinistic and, you know, it's my way or the highway, man. I wear the pants around here when your, your boys are around you. That's not, that's not I mean, that, that's not a servant-like attitude. I, I want to have an attitude that, that says I serve my wife. Whatever she wants, we do. Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. You know what I'm saying? And so, so it says, humble yourselves. You know, when you serve another person, guess what? You both win. When you're selfish, you lose, she loses, everybody loses. And, can, and, and so, men, don't try to be this, you know, I, I'm not going to serve. I mean, that's her job. No, listen, take care of that job. To, you know, help with that job. You know, ask her what she needs so that you can serve her. Here's the other side of it. And I'm going I'm, to, I might tick some women off, but... It's never stopped me before. <laughs> so anyway, so, uh, you know, for men, can I just, can I just say this to ladies? And, and, and again, this is something I, I observe. And, and especially in our, our newer generation of ladies. The world that we live in praises independence. Um, especially in women. Um, you know, women, I, I hear, you know, women say, or, you know, they, they, they think that, you know, I, I'm, I'm my own woman. I got this, or, you know, I don't need a man to help me. 
And again, this is kind of the culture, feminist, liberal, women, whatever you want to call them, have, have thrown on to women to say, you don't need a man. You can do this all by yourself. Or, you know, I hear ladies say, well, I can open my own door. You don't have to open my door. I can get my own door. Again, you know, I can speak for myself. You don't have to answer for me. And they're trying to prove their independence. Can I just, and this is maybe just me. Here's what I would say. Independence, you know, too much independence in marriage and in dating isn't attractive. Maybe, Maybe that's me. Because a lot of women, they're like, no, you don't, you know, I get my own code. I'll, I'll do this. I can do this. I can pay my own bills. I can go to work for myself. I can do all this stuff. And, and they won't allow the man to serve them because they're so independent. Can I just give you, a, you can write this down. Chivalry. And you say, what is that? Well, you know, serving, you know, your, your lady, I mean, you know, making her feel honored. Chivalry doesn't diminish your worth. It shows your worth. And so I'm just telling you, if you want to be totally independent, don't get married. Just stay out on your own. Because I'm telling you, you will not be happy and he will not be happy if he's not allowed to serve you and take care of you. Are you with me? I don't know if this speaks to anybody, but I think it does. Obviously, we, we believe in women's rights. We believe in equality. But we need each other. And the culture may change, but God's principles never do. And He created us to need each other, to serve each other, to accept someone else's love. And again, here, can I just say this? Some people don't allow that because they've been ruined by somebody else. They trusted somebody and they broke their heart. Can I just tell you? God can heal that. And sometimes, and a lot of times, he uses people to do that. And it may be that person that God has given you in your life. And so don't push them away. Allow God to heal your heart so that you can trust again. So the greatest marriages are two servants serving each other. You bet. And number six, celebrate differences. Celebrate differences. (laughs) How many of you guys are in a relationship or married to someone who is a lot different than you are? Can I get an amen? Okay. That's something to be celebrated. I think sometimes we think, oh, that you know, we just don't have anything in common and oh, this is miserable. He doesn't like this, I like that, and whatever. We've got to learn to celebrate those differences. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32 says As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And then listen to this part. This is a great, what? Mystery. Mystery. (laughs) Right? God created marriage as a mystery. I mean, it's mysterious. It's, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's okay for us to be different. We're all unique, and we may never fully understand each other, and that's okay, and it's something to be celebrated. So we have to, you know, celebrate that. Um, for us, you know, it's it's pretty intense. You know, I like caramel, and he likes hot fudge. Amen. So, I mean, we have some major differences that we've really had to talk through. She likes chef salads with that little hard-boiled egg that smell like farts in them. <laughs> And I hate that. I'm, and, and here's the thing. She'll, she'll come from a restaurant. She'll go, I had the best whatever. And she'll, she'll say what she had. And I'll go, I would probably not like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because they're just different. 
I mean, it's just what we are. But he'll still do what I like to do. And Absolutely. Then, and with a smile on his face. And so <laughs> so when we go to Brahms, we just, you know, we have to compromise and we share a banana split. Yeah, that so way we I both get win. The, I get the caramel, he gets the hot fudge, and then we both get the strawberry with strawberry. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we uh, just have to celebrate that. Another huge difference that we've had to seek counseling for is that I like my sheets tucked in at my feet, and Bo <laughs> doesn't. Does anyone, anyone relate to these huge issues? Anyone OCD like? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, usually when I make the bed, I tuck, him in, I tuck mine in, I tuck his side in or whatever at the feet. And then when we get into bed and the first thing he does is starts kicking. Kick it. He kicks his, kicks his feet out. Now I've gotten to where don't I just don't even make me. his side or tuck it in and I, I just tuck in mine. So anyways, and we laugh about that. I mean, it's just something we... We celebrate because it's okay, and it's okay to, to be different. Our vacations, you know, again, if you're married, you grew up probably two totally different ways, two totally different backgrounds, two totally different upbringings. You know, us, when we went, when we went on vacation, we were up, you know, the crack of dawn. My dad had the day planned out. We we're going to go do this, this, and this. It does, you know, doesn't matter what anyone else wants to do. That's what we're going to do. He had a game plan. Bo's family was more spontaneous. I'm guessing they're pulling out the driveway saying, well, where do we want to go? You know? Yeah, we're going to go so left, we're going to go right. Totally, you know, totally different. So Map, can, what's that? Yeah. So you can imagine when we got married and went on a trip or a vacation, maybe some of the issues Change that, equals conflict. That came up. Sequels growth. It did. I mean, uh, one of the first kind of family vacations we ever took was a couple of years ago. We took the kids to SeaWorld. And I was, like, more excited than the kids were, you know. I mean, we get there, and I'm like, let's go see Shamu. And I'm so excited. I'm, like, crying when I get there and watching the – I mean, literally, I was really excited. Literally. But anyways. I think but she we, wet her pants. No, I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that see, one in a minute. <laughs> see if you say those things and you just, Why like – Why are you moving huh, away, though? I don't know. <laughs> So got, then, got, I, you got a duck when you say those. So I had to realize that, you know, when we're at the house, Bo, and it's hard for him to kind of relax, like to sit down and watch TV. There's, you know, distractions. And so it's not really just something that yeah. he does a lot. And so when we would go on a trip, he would want to sit in the hotel for a little while and watch TV. I'm like, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't fly. We drove. Why did we didn't drive eight hours, you know, 10 hours or whatever it is to sit in a hotel and watch TV. We're going to go do something, right? So, anyways, I remember getting so frustrated because I'm just like, me and the kids are swimming suits on, we're ready to go, and Bo's in bed watching TV, hasn't taken a shower or anything yet. So, I'm like going nuts. Well, now I've learned that when we get to the hotel, Bo's going to chill out for a little bit, he's going to watch TV, and then we're going to go have a great time because he's refreshed, he's rested, he's ready to take on the day and go have a great time. So, we've learned to compromise and celebrate that difference. And so, it's okay, and um, we've, you know, obviously communicated about those things, and now we celebrate our differences. Number seven. Seven. L O L. Laugh. I think a fly just flew in my mouth. Did you eat it? <laughs> laugh out loud. I was getting hungry, so I guess that was an appetizer. Um, Someone said in the first loud. service that it's because we've been around pigs. Yeah, not yet, though. <laughs> we don't even have pigs yet. I know. Uh, Proverbs 17:22 says a what? Cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So we try to have a cheerful heart. <laughs> As we move away. <laughs> and and uh, one, of the, one of the things I remember when we first got married, um, Bo, he would say something and he was joking, but I'm like taking everything personal. You know, I was maybe a little insecure. And so when he would joke with me, I would take it like as an attack on, on me or whatever. So Bo would say, do I need to spell it out for you? And then he'd go, J-O-K. 
okay, E. <laughs> I was like, you and then are I'd have to duck. Me. Yeah. <laughs> so I had That's to. I the had only to word learn. I know how to spell. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to learn uh, how to laugh, and I had to learn how to laugh at myself. And oh, I, yeah. I should be Tell really good. At, I should be really good at this because I'm a clumsy person. Like I'm. You know, I'm the type that I can go yeah. do whatever, but then I walk and I step in a hole. You know, speaking of, a few of us ladies, a few years ago, we went to uh, like a women's conference or whatever. Is anyone here that went to that? Yeah. So we're like at Chesapeake Arena or whatever. 10 o'clock at night, we've been at this conference and we're leaving. And I literally, I step off the curb into this hole. It was like a man-made hole, just like that. It wasn't covered up or anything. And my foot, I mean, you couldn't step like that and it even go in. You had to, like, you know, maneuver your foot just right. Well, I did. I stepped into this hole just right and, like, literally shaved skin to the bone on my shin. Yeah. I was like, who does that, you know? But I did. One of the, I don't know why I told that story, but that really wasn't very funny. The clumsy. But the so yeah, so I'm clumsy. So I've had to learn to kind of laugh at myself um, because it's no fun to be around someone that you feel like you always have to walk around on eggshells. I want to joke, but I don't think they might take that Amen. personally, you know. So Amen. I've, I've had to learn to, to lighten up a little bit. You tell um, the story. I, I want to tell this story because like when we first got married, again, we're going through hell the first year, just the way it was. My wife. <laughs> We had wood floors in our house. I really was hoping house. you would yeah, tell this. I, this was funny. I'm going to step back. But this was, she, she comes running down the hallway and slips and bites it right in the living room. Yeah. I and I thoughts. laughed. Oops. Well, I was trying she, to be funny. I was going to like slide, but it didn't work yeah, and I busted that's it. That's like Tom Cruise sliding yeah. it. No, I'm just kidding. So... Risky business? So no, anyways, yeah. We have to So learn she cried. To she <laughs> cried. She actually did cry because she was embarrassed. Well, you have to tell that part. Oh, I'm sorry. So anyways, yes. So I've learned to lighten up and to laugh at myself. So, um, but another thing I want to point out too is that, you know, laughing at yourself and having a good time is different than sarcasm. Sometimes sarcasm can go too far because what that typically is is an attack on our insecurities, Right. So if I've made the comment like, man, I hate my thighs. I feel like I have huge thighs. And then Bo's like, come on, thunder thighs, let's go. <laughs> Probably not the best, the best joke <laughs> to, to say. So just, you know, keep in mind that, you know, there's joking and having fun. And then there's sarcasm, which kind of takes it, takes it a little, a little too far. So learn to laugh out loud often. Number eight. Number eight. Number eight is this. Bring, and you're going to go, how the heck are you bringing this into marriage? Bring the tithe, and God will bring the blessings. You want to know a key to a great marriage? Bring the tithe, and God will bring the blessings. Look at Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole what? Tithe into the storehouse. In other words, to the church. That there may be food in my house. God speaking. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not what? Throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room, there not be room enough for you to store it. Here, here's what I've learned. If you will tithe in your marriage, you are assuring that your needs will always be taken care of. You know why? Because that's what God promises. And he's never broken a promise. Here's, here's what else I've learned. 
Um, I, I believe that this should be a non-negotiable for anybody that you date. Because here's why. And, and, and I, I've, I've, I'm going to apply this to my own daughter. You ready? I have a daughter. She's 10 years old. One of these days, she's going to get married. One of these days, you know, a hairy-legged boy, and I'm going to be cleaning the shotgun. But he's going to, he's going to come, and he's going to say, hey, can I marry your daughter? And one of the non-negotiables, and, and here's, here's what I would say. I will not give my consent to a boy who does not tithe. I'm not going to do it. Here's why. Now, listen. Here's why. Why, if I can't trust him with temporary riches, why would I trust him with true riches, which is my daughter? So, you say, what is this about? Well, again, you tithe and God will bless you and he's going to give you everything that you need. That's a big one. That's number eight. Number eight, number nine is this. Number nine, kids leave, spouses stay. Amen. <laughs> Any empty nesters in the house today? Kids leave, spouses stay. And again, the goal, uh, you know, as parents in raising kids is for them to be independent, right? I mean, we're hopefully teaching them independence, how to take care of themselves, how to pay their own bills one of these days. And when this happens, when our kids leave, Bo and I stay. We will still, you know, still be there. And we want to make sure that we, you know, work on our marriage now so that when that happens, we don't look at each other and think, what Who do we are do you? now? Who are What's you? What's your name? Exactly. What, do we, you have, come what from? do we have fun doing together? <laughs> um, and in order for this to happen, we have to make our marriage a priority. You know, I see, I've seen so many people that, you know, had these great marriages and then their kids graduate from high school and they get a divorce. And I'm thinking, I don't understand that. You would think, you know, the kids cause the stress or cause these issues or whatever. But I feel like a lot of times the reasoning for that is, is because they didn't cultivate that relationship while their kids were still in the home. And then the kids leave and they realize they have nothing in common. They don't enjoy each other anymore or whatever it might be. And so that takes a toll on their marriage. So we have to work now to make our marriage a priority. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, 3 and 4 it says the husband must fulfill his duty to the wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have the authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. I think this just reiterates that we're not our own. We're in this together. We are one, and we have to make our marriage a priority. Um, and some of the ways that we do this is, the first of all, we sacrifice for our spouse over our kids. Amen. And I think sometimes as moms, this is something that we might struggle with, but we sacrifice for our spouse over our kids. If Bo and I, and this is, again, <laughs> something that we've, you know, communicated about that we realize, you know, could easily become an issue. And, uh, you know, he voiced some things that, you know, I wish that we would do this. And I would, you know, talk about some things, you know, as far as how we can make each other a priority. And what this looked like for us was that if we're having a conversation and the kids would come in and say, hey, mom, can you get this down for me? Or, hey, mom, can you do that? I would. I would leave the conversation and I would go and help, you know, get whatever they needed. And obviously if they're hurt or crying or whatever, if that's, they're a, bleeding, that's a priority. They have to be bleeding. If they're not bleeding, don't talk. But now or if you're going to crap your pants, <laughs> do not crap your jeans. So what we do now is, you know, if we're in a conversation, we typically will shut our door and we tell our kids, don't come, you know, you knock before you come in, wait till we tell you to come in or whatever. And then the kids come in and we say, you know, we'll get, we'll get you that in a minute. Mom and dad are talking we actually, or whatever. Here's, we took that a step further and put a lock on our door. 
I'm telling you, some of you ladies are like, oh, no, we got to have access to our kids all the time. No, you don't. <laughs> Put a lock on your door. The kids are okay. And they... They're okay. They'll stop crying eventually. <laughs> I'm telling you, they will. If you say, well, we can't go out to eat because my kids are too attached, they'll stop crying. Mm-hmm. Go out to eat. Yeah. Uh, another another important thing is to honor your spouse in front of this in front of your kids. This shows your kids that you know dad's the priority, your mom's the priority. Um, don't ever let your kids disrespect your spouse. And this is something that Bo is great at. <clears throat> if the kids you know disrespect me, or even if they just don't say yes, ma'am, if I tell them to do something, Bo is is on them. And so he you know it shows that I'm the priority. I'm in gonna his light them up. I'm going to light them up in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Because I'm telling you, this this is big because my kids, my sons, they're going to treat their wives just like they see me treating mine or my wife. And and our daughters are going to treat their husband the same way she treats me. So that's a big deal. Uh, Another way to make your marriage a priority is to have a date night and keep it holy. (laughs) Yeah. It's a commandment, Bo and Heather's commandments. <laughs> and like he said, the kids are going to stop crying. The babysitter is going to be fine. Uh, so leave, leave your kids and, and have a date night. So number nine, kids leave, spouses stay. And then number 10, the most important one that we're going to wrap up with today is it's all about him. It's all about him, not him, him. Okay, <laughs> it's all about him. Your marriage should be all about Jesus. He needs to be the center of it. And I know we talked about, we've talked about this before, but it's like a triangle. And the closer that we get to Jesus, the closer we get to one another. And so we have to have Christ as the center. Uh, Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We want to end today by uh, Alan Jackson. We've already heard one of his great songs, but his wife, Denise Jackson, wrote a book called It's All About Him, and it talks about how you know they uh, had to learn to keep Jesus the center of their marriage. Um, and then he wrote a song called It's All About Him, and you can Google that and listen to it on YouTube. It's a great song. But we're going to end today, and I'm just going to read these lyrics to you just to hear how powerful they are. But it says, You ask if I'm happy. It's easy to see. I'm high on a mountain, the world at my feet. All of the reasons I should feel free, come and look closer, it's not about me. It's all about him and the love that he gives. Redemption and hope for all who have sinned. You can walk all alone, never find your way home, till you see deep within, it's all about him. It's not about ego or things you can hold. It's not about power or silver or gold. Not who's at your table or where you lay down. It's not about spreading your wings on the ground. It's all about him and the love that he gives. Redemption and hope for all who have sinned. You can walk all alone, never find your way home. Till you see deep within, it's all about him. Would you bow your heads with us? Again, it's been our goal through this series to be able to share with you some of the great truths from God's word. <clears throat> they're not just good, you know, phrases. They're not just, you know, simple things that, you know, that everybody else is going to tell you. They're the truth of God's word. They come from the creator of marriage, the creator of sex, the creator of, of dating. And so hopefully through this series, you have learned some of those truths. 
But my prayer is not that you've just learned them, but that you actually commit to applying them to your life. And so it's our hope, it's our desire that you would be fully equipped to be able to follow God's lead, follow his guidance in your dating relationships, in sex, and in marriage. And so our prayer is today that you have the resources, you have the knowledge, you have the wisdom that only God can give you. And now that you would begin to apply these things to your life in relationships. Because we win when we do it God's way. And so some of you are here today, maybe you're single. Maybe you're wondering what the what the in the heck is is you know God thinking? Why isn't He giving me somebody? Why hasn't He you know blessed me with somebody? Listen, make your life all about Jesus, and Jesus will bring about whoever He wants in your life. That's the way it's supposed to roll. That's the way that that again that if you want to truly be blessed, you want to do things His way. That's the way you should focus your life. Still wanting that relationship, but giving that relationship over to God. Maybe you're in a marriage today and you're, you're struggling. You, you, maybe you're a lady in the room and your husband doesn't want to even come to church. Doesn't want to, you know, love Jesus. Doesn't really care. And you're in this situation and you're going back and forth. And, you, and you're praying and all this stuff. And you wonder, you know, is he going to change? Let me give you the answer. He can change. But only God can change you. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're that woman who has that, that husband that's not on board with Christ. Maybe you're, a, a, you know, maybe you're a, a man whose wife is not on board with Christ. Listen, encourage them, serve them, love them to the fullest extent, and then allow God to change them. And you say, well, how do I allow that to happen? Get on your knees. Pray. Seek out counseling, seek out help, ask questions, ask how you can serve your spouse so that they'll come to love Jesus. And we can help you with that. Maybe you're in a great marriage. Maybe you have an awesome marriage, but maybe you've learned some new things that you need to begin to apply to your marriage so that you can make it even better and bring glory to God even more. Our prayer is that you would commit to do those things. And here's the last thing. Pass this on. When, when we post this link to, to, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is, or it's on the website, send it, share it, so that people can find the hope that you found. Why would we learn all these things and not share it? I mean, people's relationships are going down the tubes every day. Why would we not share the truth from God's word with people so that they can have hope? And so spread the word. Get the word out there so that lives can be changed and you can be a part of that change. Some of you are here today and you don't know Christ. You don't have that that most important relationship and that's a relationship with Jesus. Listen, you can try to ride double really well on your own. You can try to ride single well on your own, but you'll never find that true fulfillment of your deepest needs until you give your life to Jesus. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus today. You say, how do I do that? Well, again, that's why the church is here. We want to be able to share with you how you can give your life to Jesus and how you can ask him to come into your life and save you. And so if you have questions about any of that, if you've made a decision today, all we ask you to do, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to ask you to come to the front. All we ask you to do is fill out that card that was on your chair. 
Write, it, write your name and your phone number, and we will contact you about your, your questions or the decision that you make today or how to come to know Jesus. We want to we equip you to, to have those answers. You say, I don't have an orange card. Well, just text your name to the number on the screen. You don't have to write anything else, just your name. Text it to the number on the screen, and we will contact you and be able to help you succeed in writing single and in writing double. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to share truth. I thank you for what a privilege it is to be able to share biblical truth from the Creator God. And so thank you for the gift of companionship. Thank you for the gift of friendship. Thank you for the gift of sex. Thank you for the gift of marriage. And Lord, may we do it according to your design so that you can receive glory and so that we can receive your blessing. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking time to listen to this message. If you have made a commitment today or have questions, you can contact us at info at thousandhillsranch.church or 580-216-6427. And may God bless the ride you're on.